Welcome to Fashioning Conversation at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our guest moderator for this evening, Kimvara Balfour. Hi, everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you all for coming. Before we welcome our guest on stage, we're going to take a look at a brilliant video of what she does. exciting um, it's folk Gentlemen, welcome to the stage, the editor-in-chief of British Vogue, Alexandra Shulman. Hi. Hi. Welcome. We're here tonight for Vogue Loves Regent Street, which is a special event, which we'll talk about in a second. First of all, I just want to say congratulations on everything we saw in that film. You've been one of the longest-serving editors of British Vogue. And I would say that Apple is not really a product, it's an experience. And Vogue, similarly, is not really a product, it's an experience. So during the talk, I want to talk with you about how you go to creating that experience. So let's talk first why we're here tonight. Vogue loves Regent Street. What's that about? Well, um, hello, everyone, firstly. Um, Vogue Loves Regent Street is a kind of spin-off of something we've done for five years now, which is Vogue's Fashion Night Out. And it's a kind of shopping evening with a difference. It's a way that Vogue can 
drive through all our social media, through the magazine, and our relationship with the stores, drive people into a specific area for the night to come and see what the stores have got. And then we, the whole team of us, go out and do activities in the stores and hopefully add a bit extra to a kind of regular late night shopping evening. And we started off in 2008 with it and we started in Bond Street and we've kind of moved around the place and we went to Manchester, took it to Manchester, kind of road show which was fun a couple of years ago. But uh, this year, we decided that we'd just have a very designated area, which is Regent Street, which is where we all are tonight. Great. OK. And I know you're incredibly busy, not only now, not only tonight, but pretty much every day. So we're very, very honored to have you. I think I'd like to go back to the beginning and talk about how you began, because I'm sure anybody in the room, whether they want to be in fashion or not, is wondering how does someone become the editor of Vogue? It's a, it's a huge position to be in. Um, so how did you get here? I know you've worked at Condé Nast for a while. How did you begin? Did you always want to be the editor of Vogue? Was Vogue important to you as a child? Or was it not a part of your life? Um, <laughs> I've been asked that question so many times. By now, I should have a really good answer to it, and I don't. Um, I was brought up in a family of journalists, and we always had Vogue around. So I always knew what Vogue was, and I loved it. And to me, Vogue wasn't a fashion magazine, actually. It was a magazine that was filled with a kind of a lifestyle and a culture, I guess, that I thought was intriguing and glamorous and stylish. And um, But it never entered my head that I would ever really be part of that world, let alone be the person that was kind of creating, creating the magazine. Um, but I went into journalism. Uh, I, went, I got a job as a secretary on a magazine uh, about a year and a half after I'd left uni. No, maybe about a year. And I didn't want to be a journalist at all. Uh, I wanted to work in the music business. But I tried that, and it didn't work out, and I was jobless. And somebody said, oh, there's a job going as the editor's secretary on a magazine that existed then called Over 21 magazine. And uh, I got the job, and I found that I really loved being on magazines. I love the whole business of the kind of the mix of it, the fact that you can, you've got fashion, and you've got words, and you've got retail, and you've got big personalities, and photography. And, and I realized that this was really the world I wanted to work in. So I kind of uh, managed to get another job um, through doing little freelance pieces, which was on Tatler. And Tatler is owned by Condé Nast, which is the same company as Vogue. And um, I guess I kind of slowly, slowly crept up the, the ladder. And you were editor of GQ for a while. Yeah, I came to... Uh, I left Tatler, went to a newspaper, The Telegraph, came back to Vogue as features editor, and then I was made editor of GQ uh, a year after it launched. And at that time, it was in the very, very early days of men's magazines, and they didn't have the kind of magazine like a, a GQ or an Esquire or many of the magazines that now exist. And um, so I got the job because they couldn't find a bloke who wanted to do it. Um, it seemed like they 
didn't really want to do something where there'd be lots of stuff about grooming products and fashion. And um, so I got the job. And then when the Vogue job came up, for one strange reason or another, even though I'd never actually worked in fashion or women's wear fashion, um, I landed Vogue, and that was 1992. So that makes you one of the longest reigning how long has it been? 23 years, Yeah, let's, let's not harp on I that. I think that's incredible. <laughs> I think that's incredible. very old. Credit to you, credit to this country. Um, I was also going to say, your mother, Drusilla, was, when I worked at The Telegraph, your mother was an editor for me. Oh, great. And taught me huge amounts. I owe her a lot. She is just amazing to work with. So thank you, Drusilla. Um, so when you joined with Vogue, that was 23 years ago. Cut to today, what we've just seen now on the film is a huge span of work. How, I suppose, aside from talking about the digital space, how has fashion itself changed for you since you first began in 1992 to now? How has the actual business of fashion changed? Um, when I came to Vogue in 1992, there were, um, there were beginning to be far more fashion publications than there had been previously. Uh, newspapers, for instance, were all launching color supplements. There were more monthly magazines had been launched. But at the same time, we were actually in a recession. So there was a huge pressure uh, on Vogue, really, to, to keep itself at the top of the tree in terms of advertising and in terms of kind of reader loyalty. And I reckon I was very, very lucky coming in at that point because whilst I've been at Vogue, the, the interest in fashion and the fashion literacy amongst everybody has just increased so much. I mean, I guess, let's say in the 80s, the idea that you would have an H&M with a designer doing a line for it or a top shop with the kind of fashion clothes that they have now, I mean, it, it just wasn't happening. You couldn't have anything like the amount of fashion. There wasn't nearly so many brands. I mean, I have to say that, you know, every end of fashion has just exploded in the last 20 years, whether that's high street or, you know, top end designer or middle market. And there weren't even all these kind of big international brands that now are all over London. I mean, there were like, there was a Chanel, there was a Dior, there was probably a Prada, but there really weren't that many of those shops. They were much more kind of homegrown, English, more traditional brands here. So it, 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 I could go on forever. The landscape is unrecognizable. And if we talk about Vogue being an experience or a kind of movement rather than just being a brand, I'd like to talk a little bit about how you've gone it's such, a, it's such a boring cliche. We talk about this all the time when I interview people. Oh, how are you coping with taking it digital? But it is a really interesting fact because we live in such interesting times and Vogue was one of the first print publications to really embrace the digital space. I'd love to ask you, are you, rep I know you're not, but are you replicating the same content for both? Have you got a separate team that creates brand new content now for both aspects? How do you combine the two, make them consistent? but also offering a, a different thing on each platform? Well, when I came to Vogue, um, I, my job was to edit a magazine that came out 12 times a year. And I think we had a catwalk supplement twice a year. And that was kind of end of story. 
kind of lovely, I have to say, because now there's like 24-hour website, uh, there's mobile app, there's the iPad app, there is the Vogue video channel that we've launched, there's our YouTube channel, there's a, 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 I mean, the wonderful thing about digital is the reach that it's given us and the ability that we have to communicate ideas and thoughts and content and engage with people all around the world. The not so nice side is that the, the work cycle is endless. <laughs> and there's never, you know, it's never not one bit that needs to have something else added to it every minute of every day. So um, we were one of the first people to have a magazine website, vogue.co.uk, which has got uh, now over two million unique users. It's incredibly successful and we're relaunching our site at the beginning of next year to really make it work even better than it does now. From my point of view, the way I look at digital, which after all is just another media to print, is to try and work out what can we do best in print and what can we do best using digital. Um, and not to replicate the content on both, because I kind of don't see the point of doing that. And I've seen that you've done a lot with film, which is obviously a different medium, but one that makes sense if you've got Mario shooting Sienna for a cover. I think we all love to see those kind of behind-the-scenes things, so if someone can make a film about that for me, then I'm watching. Has that been incredibly successful? Is that something you want to do more of, or is it, are people not really coming to Vogue for um, film? Well, it's lovely to have that kind of video footage for, for things like that trailer, which I'm, I, I do think is, is fantastic. It, it's, it's wonderful to have moving people and be able to have words and you get a feeling of what was going on behind the photographs. But I think probably the, the, the way that video for Vogue will, will grow and will become... Um, bigger and bigger and more people will engage with it and be interested in it isn't going to be behind the scenes on the shoots that we do. I mean, in a way, the shoots are the shoots and they're, they're wonderful in the magazine. That's the point of them. So I think what we're starting to do is to do videos that are external to those shoots. Um, Alexa Chung's just about to do a six-part series on the fashion industry, which I think the first... Uh, not issue, but the first um, uh, viewing, I suppose, of it is going to be next week. Uh, we've started to have our cover stars do little films, so Sienna on um, this month's cover. Which is beautiful, I will say. Yeah. Absolutely one of the most beautiful covers. Amazing. It is great, and the Mario shoot of her behind the scenes or on the shoot is great, but also we've done another little kind of light-hearted video called How to Be British with her. So we're kind of growing our own sort of tiny movie channel as well. And you're, and you're responsible for the language and the style of all of those things as the editor of a magazine? Um, yeah. Or I, do you, do you, are you full up with roles now? I no, mean, I, how do you control it? No, I just want more and more work, more and more control. Um, yeah. I, I have an overview, and at the end of the day, I'm responsible for things either being right or wrong. But I strongly believe that you have to have good people doing what they can do best and as much as possible, let them go on with it. You know, be aware of what's happening, but don't try and micromanage every detail. I mean, I'm not a video maker. I wouldn't begin to know how to switch the camera on. 
Okay. And if we're talking about people like Mario Testino and Sienna, how are you as an editor able to keep up with the photographers, the models, the celebrities, the hair and makeup artists, people that you want to work with, that you see some of them are emerging, some of them big. How do you personally keep up with those people? Do you have a personal relationship with them all? Are you having dinner with them every night? Or are you happy to use them once and you say, that person's got something, I want to work with them again? Um, again, I have a really good team. I have a, a wonderful um, fashion production editor who knows who all the new models are coming up and quite a lot about the hair and makeup. Um, I have a wonderful beauty team, the fashion editors, my creative department. They constantly are exposed to the new and so they kind of bring me their choices and then I say, yes, let's go with her or not with her and we try people out and I don't, personally spend time with everybody otherwise I'd had no other life but um, I have made some great friends you know in the 20 odd years if we can talk a little bit about digital for your own self then how do you digest your information how do you keep up with the news are you Twitter crazy Instagram crazy do you see people on Instagram that suddenly pique your interest which you might which might not have happened before can someone suddenly become a model in Vogue because they're hot on Instagram? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I read newspapers in the morning. Uh, I read The Guardian every morning and Daily Mail every morning. Um, I read a few... Uh, I check out a few news websites during the day. I like the business of fashion as a fashion news website. Um, Instagram, I, I don't really follow people on Instagram. I mean, I've got actually, I'm following a few architects on Instagram because they tend to make, take really great pictures. Um, I read there was a very good article actually on um, Instagram, on the business of fashion today, all about the Instagram business and how, uh, for instance, New York Fashion Week starts today, I think. Shouldn't, shouldn't, you should probably be there. Thank you for I'll staying. Be, I'll be there on Sunday. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and various brands are uh, using their Instagram accounts either to do the whole show on Instagram or to sort of use their moment in New York Fashion Week to draw attention to all their new collections and everything. Um, mm, I'm not sure. I think the jury's still out because... There are so many Instagram accounts and so many people out there. And some people are really, really good at translating Instagram and their social media into a really going concern for their business. And other people are gathering all kinds of likes and followers, but it's still not helping them grow a business. So I think we're in the, still in the very early days of knowing how to use such things to really help um, monetize our businesses. And, and Vogue's in that position as much as anybody. I've seen some designers are employing photographers specifically for Instagram to create an Instagram-only campaign for a specific collection or for a specific week or a film festival or whatever. Is that something that you would consider employing a photographer just for an Instagram-only shoot? 
No, we're all out there with our cameras. You're doing there anyway. Our Save yeah, the money. Spending the money <laughs> yeah. on a photographer. Okay, okay. Save the money then. Save Condé Nast money. Nicholas Cord, yeah. you'll be happy with that. And are you are you app crazy? Are you playing crazy games during the catwalk shows? Are you playing whatever Candy Crush or anything like that while you're waiting for shows to begin? No, I did. A year ago, I was completely obsessed with Candy Crush. I couldn't stop doing it. Um, but I got up to about 130 or something or other, and then I just got stuck. So <laughs> I'm not doing that anymore. No, I read waiting for the shows. Okay, and I will say Alex has written two novels. Your, your latest one, The Parrots, has just come out and has yeah. had rave reviews. Congratulations. Yeah, so that's been great. Very yeah. exciting kind of sideline. How do you find time? I mean, it's such an obvious question, but genuinely, I mean this. How do you find the time... How did you find the time to write a novel? I think everyone can find time to do things that they really want to do. It means there are other things that you don't get done. So I gave up my weekends to writing it. Um, and if you do that, and if you get up a bit earlier, then it got done. It did take three years, so it wasn't quick. Okay, well, congratulations. This is an amazing achievement. When you are so busy, now you say you've got fashion weeks coming up, I don't know. I mean, I've worked on enough magazines now. For me, one day at London Fashion Week is exhausting, scary, hectic, tiring. You, as an editor, essentially have to be in New York, London, Milan, Paris, twice a year. However, as we know, the fashion calendar has become much busier because now designers are doing four collections a year. They didn't used to have specifically proper shows for the resort collections, but now it seems to me that Chanel will do one special thing on the Great Wall of China, which you obviously are in, required to be at. Or you had Mark Jacobs the other day at Disneyland. They obviously all want you. They want the editor of Vogue. How do you cope with those demands? Well, I'm quite lucky because I've got, a, again, a fantastic team and quite a big team, and I don't go to them. Um, I delegate. Uh, there's no way I can do my job and be going to Seoul one day, LA one day, Disneyland another day. Um, I don't want to do it, uh, and I think I can be better employed actually keeping an eye on the magazine um, and other members of my team go and check out what's going on. And, of course, because of digital now, we don't actually have to go. I mean, you can see it all online. But, I mean, that is the point, that you are required to travel the world. And actually, I suppose this is an irreverent question, but I'm going to ask it. If so many designers are spending so much money on live streaming their shows, is it really wrong for you to be sitting at home in your Ugg boots watching a Marc Jacobs show? Or do you feel, is, is that wrong? No, I feel um, very, very strongly that the amount of fashion shows that we have are ridiculous. Um, I can't believe in this day and age where we're aware of the environmental damage that air travel does, where we know that we can see that the whole digital world has meant that fashion shows can come to you, where actually there's so much to be done and so much to be seen that we are still expecting 500 physical bodies to go around four fashion capitals spending a week in each. Um, it, it seems insane to me. I mean, there's definitely wonderful things about fashion shows. They, a, a good fashion show is like a good film, a good um, art exhibition, a good play in particular because a play is live and a good fashion show, seeing it live is a great privilege and it's a wonderful thing. But I think there are too many and a kind of, you know, to, to sit there and watch a, 
perfectly nice black suit go up and down the catwalk for 10 minutes. Why? I agree. And I don't, I'm not in your job at all. I've just done it for a few days. When you're packing for all these trips, <laughs> you as a woman, a busy woman, a working woman, what's your fail set? Is there something that you buy over and over again, even though you keep not wanting to? Do you arrange everything six weeks in advance or are you someone who gets everything in the day before? No, um, every time I pack, I look at that suitcase and think there must be an easier way than this. Um, I, uh, I pack very badly, even I've got a 20-year-old son, and even he says to me, you're just the, the worst packer in the world. Um, I do take the view that it's better to just like take tons of stuff. I mean, if you're not going to be able to do carry-on, you may as well take two suitcases, you know, just have everything with you. Uh, that sort of halfway house is, is hopeless. But I, I mean, I'd really love to be um, that immaculate packer who just puts you know, the right number of color coordinated things in, but it doesn't happen. No, I, it seems hard to just get ready for a day. Going forwards with Vogue, I know you have, well, you do the Vogue Festival, which is a huge event. You've done that for two years, I think. Um, no, it's, uh, again, mm. it's not, it will be the fifth year Fine. next year. Okay, so in terms of Vogue being an experience, we've talked about digital, Vogue film, you've got your website, you've got the magazine. What does something like, well, we've got Vogue Loves Regent Street tonight, something kind of similar. What does the Vogue Festival mean for Vogue as a brand? And what does it mean for you personally? And the point about Vogue is, I know we were going to talk about this a bit later, but it's 100 years old next year. And um, it's, I can talk about it as a thing because it's not me. I happen to be looking after Vogue at the moment, but it existed for a long time before me and will exist for a long time after me. And I think Vogue, the secret of Vogue's longevity is being able to make sure that it's always kind of kept up to speed with what's going on. And nowadays, purely having a magazine is not enough. Uh, you can't reach enough people. Uh, there are so many other opportunities to do something with a brand like Vogue. So the festival was my kind of personal, um, well, it was my personal idea and it was my personal desire. Uh, slightly beware of your wishes, they might come true because it's a lot of work to organize. But it, it w my thought was that everyone's interested in Vogue, everyone's interested in fashion, and why don't we try and create a live event that reflects sort of our ethos and our content and sell tickets to it. We don't make a great deal of money, we make a little bit of money, but allow people in to see some of the people that we feature in the, in the pages of the magazine, dis discuss some of the ideas that are current in fashion and also have a kind of fun fashion fair element where people can get makeovers and fashion advice and styling tips and um, we've done four each one gets bigger and bigger and I'm just in the moment about to sign off on a venue for, for next year's has the appetite for makeovers and styling and everything has it increased in the last five years and has the age group remain the same or do you see that there's a younger and younger audience wanting this level of oh i think for things like makeovers uh it is a young on the whole it's a young audience um I uh, very, every day. very very young uh at 
I think teenagers, nobody loves a kind of manicure more than a teenager. Um, went around in my day. <laughs> they didn't exist. And if we are going to talk about the, the... So it's Vogue 100 years. So to celebrate Vogue 100 years next year, there's a huge exhibition at the National Portrait Gallery in London. And that's going to be a retrospective of all the Vogue covers or selected ones that you've curated? Oh, no. It's, um, it's Vogue 100, a century of style, and it's going to be the most incredible exhibition. I've seen... There's a wonderful little, like a doll's house, kind of maquette of it with all of the rooms design exactly how they're going to be with the photographs placed on the walls and and the rooms are being created specially for it so it's not just like walking into one white box um, it's not all the Vogue covers it's all it's imagery from a hundred years of the magazine and a lot of it is um, sort of fashion portraiture because the National Portrait Gallery has a remit to be about portraits rather than fashion so it's a kind of mixture of the two but it's uh, I'm really excited about it it's going to be brilliant and have you considered yet for yourself how you're going to celebrate the hundred years within the magazine and the website and everything um, yes we think about it we talk about it we dream about it 24 hours a day um, we're going to have a big centenary issue which will be our next June issue and uh, a big gala and the festival will be then but actually, we've got a whole year of um, activity. The NPG exhibition's going to Manchester, and we've got uh, a television documentary that's being made at the moment about 100 years of Vogue, and Is we're that publishing airing on books. television? Yeah, Sometimes. BBC. Nice. Yeah. Okay, fun. Has that been fun to have people following you around? Or is it only it? started two days ago. <laughs> oh, okay, we'll ask you, ask you in a few months' time. Yeah. You might be a little bit different. And I was going to, before we open up for Q&A, I'm going to ask a question that maybe everybody's going to ask anyway, is, well, I personally think that Vogue has this kind of, there's an expectation of the world that Vogue should employ absolutely everybody who wants a job in fashion. But the question I always get when I've worked in fashion a long time is, how did you start? How would somebody get a job at Vogue? I know you've been asked this a thousand times. Well, there's no one way because there's no one job. I mean, there are all kinds of different jobs you can get in Vogue. I mean, some of the fashion room have worked as, as runners in PR firms, say. Some people have come through work experience out of college. Some people have come working from other areas of journalism. Um, some people have cold called and just happened to run at the right time when we needed somebody to help out with something and we met them that way. Uh, there are, you know, the beauty, uh, the, the beauty department uh, sometimes has hired people via companies, beauty companies. So I mean, there isn't one answer. Yeah, presumably now with digital, you've got so many different platforms. There's kind of more scope to employ more people. Uh, we are we are a bigger a bigger team than we were. Yeah. And are qualifications important to you as an employer, or is it more about the passion? Um, well, you have to have certain kind of qualification, but a qualification might for the job doesn't necessarily mean that it's a degree. It could be experience in a field. Um, I think you've got to demonstrate that you're interested and hardworking and, yeah, passionate, but, you know, not to a ridiculous degree. I mean, you know, it helps if you can spell as well. 
Okay, so now we're going to open up for audience questions. If you have a question for Alex, just raise your hand and someone from the Apple team will bring you a microphone. And I can choose or you can choose, whichever you'd like to do. I'll choose. I'll choose. So, yeah, ask away. I know everyone's always hesitant in the first instance. We normally have loads of questions. Gentlemen at the back. Obviously, you do a lot throughout your day-to-day, -day, but how do you relax? I, what do I do? Quite a lot. Um, I read, I see friends, and I do that quite a lot. Um, I play tennis, gonna play tennis tomorrow morning. Um, I don't really watch that much TV, or I don't fiddle online that much or anything. Um, so I kind of like, if I, I guess I go home, you know, Try and change out of my work clothes, open a bottle of wine, chat to whoever's there, and either get somebody else around or go out, or just like everyone else, I guess. I did mean to ask you, what's your role politically in the country? Because you are an ambassador for British fashion in, it, in its whole. Do you do a lot of work with the government? You do a lot with the British Fashion Council. Do you do a lot with Boris Johnson and everybody or not really? No, uh, we're pretty apolitical. Excited to see what happens in the Labour vote though. Um, you have just done a wonderful piece on Nicola Sturgeon, which yeah. I thought was fantastic. Yeah, it was wonderful to have Nicola. And I'm very interested in politics. And it's one of the fascinating things in this country is how nervous of fashion politicians are because they're frightened that if they seen, are seen to be sort of photographed in a fashion context, maybe in some way that's going to make them seem elitist or make them seem shallow. And it was wonderful. I wrote to Nicola Sturgeon and said, would she be interviewed for Vogue? And she immediately said yes, happy to pose in designer clothes, gave a really nice, honest interview. I don't think it's backfired on her. So I hope, you know, Theresa May next. Yeah. <laughs> I actually drove Theresa May home the other day. We had a lovely talk about fashion. I'm oh, sure she might love give her a harder time. Then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, more questions, please. Hi. Hi. Thanks for coming here today. I really Pleasure. enjoy watching you today. Um, I'm just wondering. Obviously, your work's extremely seems to be extremely interesting. But I'm wondering, like over the time in Vogue, is there any specific time that you extremely enjoy, like working with some? you know, fashion people. Are you asking me, are there any special things that I like doing in my job in terms oh, of working like any, with people? any specific memory. Um, right. Yeah. Um, well, there are quite a few things that I like in retrospect. Um, for instance, like big events that we've done, we did a huge gala with the um, Victorian Albert for the golden age of couture a few years ago. And that was very exciting. We worked with Dior on that and pulling together a sort of incredible evening where we got lots of personalities and people look wonderful and it was great for the v and I, I, I mean, I don't like doing those things while I'm doing them, but I like doing it after the event. I like having done it. I find a lot of my life is liking having, having done something afterwards. Um, I like talking to the photographers. I mean, I, I, I very much enjoy photography. It's something I've always been interested in. So I love to have lunch or dinner or anything, talking to some of our photographers and hearing their ideas. And yeah, so that's something. Okay, thank you. Great lady at the back. 
Uh, hi, Alexandra. So I wanted to thank you for coming here tonight. Pleasure. Um, I have two questions. First of all, what would you say would be your biggest inspiration uh, throughout your career? And what motivates you to get, get up in the morning? As well as what would your advice be to young girls pursuing a career in fashion? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a great one for um, being inspired by people. I don't know. It's just something I, I feel like it's maybe a generational thing. I just never had that feeling that, that people inspired me or that there were role models. Or I mean, I, I admire tremendously millions of people, but I, don't, I wouldn't use the word inspiration for me. Um, and what makes me get up in the morning is, uh, well, for a long time it was my son, to be completely honest. Um, uh, sort of just wanting to be with him. And uh, that was sort of my sort of emotional priority. So, I mean, that genuinely, it wasn't like I wanted to get out of bed in order to go to work. I wanted to get out of bed in order to see Sam. Um, now he's older and so it's slightly different and I think just the um, the pleasure I get from the from the people I work with actually you know I, I really find that whenever I go into the office even if it's kind of going to be difficult uh, in some way or other the day or I know there's a problem ahead you know that there, there's always jokes to be had there's always kind of fun to be had in a way and it uh, it kind of, you know, it really boosts you, gets you going. Okay, and the one of how does anyone? What was the question about young? Any advice oh, how for do you anyone? Get, how do you get? How? Take advice for someone who would want to work in fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Is that it? Well, it depends what aspect of fashion you want to work in. You know, if you want to work in design or if you want to work in magazines. But I mean, I think the main thing is to be um, persistent, really. I mean, I, I think most people who really want to work in, in my field do succeed in working. They may not succeed at, at being brilliant at it, but they do ultimately succeed in getting a job. But you've got to kind of keep trying and, and not give up and, and always, you know, make the most of any contacts that you make or opportunities that you can get. And be prepared maybe to take a job that isn't the dream job that that you wanted, maybe to try and go in in a kind of tangential way and then work your way across. Okay, we've got time for, oh, we've got loads of hands now, help. Okay, one here, please. We've got time for kind of two or three more and then we'll come to you. Thank Hi, you. Alexandra, thanks for coming. Uh, just a random question, really. So, of course, with your work in fashion and you've written a book as well, any other challenges, passions or avenues you're planning to go down which are a little bit more left field than what you're any, currently doing? Anything that I'm planning to do that I haven't done? Um, well, I was thinking about learning the guitar properly, actually, <laughs> um, as something to do. And um, no, I don't have any plans. I, I would like to have some plans for, for something else, not to do instead of what I do, but I'd quite like to have the idea of kind of learning something really different or doing something different. But to be honest, I'm so busy. Um, and when I'm not working, I kind of just like to lie around in the sun. So. I never really make those plans. Quite right. Okay, gentlemen, just there, please. Okay, last question. Hello. Thank you. 
Um, what would you say has been the biggest challenge throughout your career, whether it was starting off within the fashion industry or some, something you've come against during being in the fashion industry? Um, I haven't had any challenges in the fashion industry. Um, or if I have, I haven't noticed them. Um, I think the biggest challenge, to be honest, was to was probably to be a, a work, you know, a working mother when my son was small. I mean, I, I don't think anybody can say it's easy having small children and doing a full-time job. And you know, there the were periods when I really thought that I wasn't going to be able to to carry on doing it. But um, I'm very pleased that that I did. And um, I think what everybody has to do in that situation is you've got to work out the things that are really important to you and the things that you're... So I kind of made, you know, decisions about what I really... When I really wanted to be with him and I'd have to drop some other things. But, yeah, I think that's all really. I, I haven't... I mean, it doesn't... It sounds very privileged, but I don't, I don't think I've had a lot of terrible challenges, in fact. I think I've just been quite lucky um, or maybe quite good at what I do. <laughs> I, will, I will agree with that. Um, we're going to have to end there because we have completely run out of time. We could talk forever. Thank you so much. When you want to do a guitar performance, <laughs> please come to Apple first. <laughs> okay. Thank you all so much for coming. It's really, really, we love having you here. And just a big, big round of applause to Alex Shulman. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.